Welcome to the Lee Sloan Podcast. I believe that ideas and conversations have consequences, consequences that impact generations to come. Thanks for joining me today. Together, let's be brave enough to think, brave enough to feel, brave enough to change the world, one brave conversation at a time. Hello, and welcome back to season two of the Lee Sloan Podcast. I'm ready to get back in the saddle here. And I think we're going to be exploring some ideas on gender. I have a lot of thoughts, and I would love to invite some more people and their perspectives on this topic. We can go a lot of different ways with this topic, and we might have some other little um, surprises in here in the season, so just stay tuned. This week, I want to actually talk about something that's been on my mind for a little bit, and it's this idea of judgment. You know, um, in our society, we don't like to think of ourselves as judgmental people, right? And thinking about um, being a Christian, and and we all heard people quote Jesus. Even if people don't know much about Jesus, they can quote him as saying that Jesus commanded us not to judge one another. And there are times when we can nod our heads and agree with that, but then other times it seems like people just say, hey, don't judge, almost like this get-out-of-jail-free card, you know, for them to wave, like, If they're caught in something, they just say, well, Jesus said not to judge, so, you know. And so we have this, I think, underlying fear of being perceived as judgmental. I mean, a judgmental person is usually the worst person in a movie, right? (laughs) I mean, and so we don't want to be that, right? And so it causes us to sort of clam up and not to speak up for what we really believe is true and what is right. And it is true. Jesus did say not to judge, and he said it in Matthew 7. We're going to look at that in a little bit. But does the Bible really say that we should never judge? We should never make judgment calls? I mean, this is there there had to be something specific he was talking about because there are plenty of places in the New Testament that actually encourage people to judge each other. Um, I'm not going to go through all those, but um, John 7, 24, 1 Corinthians 5, 12 through 13, and also 1 Corinthians 11, 27 through 31. You can look those up if you'd like to. But, you know, we even see Jesus when she, when he has this act of compassion and he's encountering this adulterous woman. He's caught, she's caught in the act of adultery. And in one sense, he, he seems like he's really merciful and he, he doesn't judge her because he doesn't allow them to stone her to death and he doesn't stone her to death himself, right? As was the law of the day. But at the same time, he also didn't say, go and do whatever makes you happy, right? He said, after that, he said, go and sin no more. So he, even in this sense, he is sort of making a judgment call here. He's saying that adultery is wrong. So even just from a common sense perspective, even if you take out the Bible, is it even really possible for us as human beings to exist on planet Earth without making a single judgment? I think if you think hard enough about it, common sense will tell you that everyone makes judgments. I mean, the politically right makes judgments on issues like morality of abortion or sexual misconduct. You know, the left makes judgments about maybe the environment or social justice issues. We all are constantly making judgments. And and so it's part of what 
it means to be human. It's like that frontal cortex that is so busily at work all the time. And I don't believe that we can or should avoid all judgment. I don't even think that that, that's what Jesus meant when he said not to judge. Because a person with no judgments is a person with no sense of justice. Think about those heroes of history, might be your heroes. Where would they be if they lacked judgment about what they felt the difference was between right and wrong? They really wouldn't have made it in the history books. And so I think in context, what Jesus is saying is that we're not to presume upon ourselves sort of like this godlike status when we make distinctions and judgment calls. And instead, we're supposed to measure ourselves by the same standards that we measure each other. Now, I want to look a little more at the context of Matthew 7, 1 through 5. He says, Jesus says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So when we're measuring ourselves by the same standards that we measure others, we actually begin to love each other and we, we end up discerning things about their lives, the good and the bad, right? There is a plank and there is a speck. We can't ignore the plank and the speck. But he goes on to talk about getting the plank out of our own eye first before we get the little speck out of someone else's eye. The emphasis is not that we need to be happy to walk around with things sticking out of our eyes, But the emphasis is that we examine our own lives even more closely and with more urgency than we examine the lives of others. This is super hard to do. Now, a lot of what brought this to to mind was I was reading the autobiography of Benjamin Franklin. And you can get that from the library. I actually got it on audio. Um, and, And I can almost hear some of you hear me mentioning his name and And you're already making judgments on good old Benjamin Franklin. So I just want to ask you to chill out a little bit. I know he was far from a perfect guy, but it doesn't mean that we don't have anything to learn from his life. And so I I was just trying to get a sense for what society was like back then when our country was founded. And what I noticed about this culture is that it was a culture that really prized good judgments and right judgments. He would, he would make the practice of constantly talking to his friends about whether so-and-so was good and trustworthy and whether they had a good reputation, it would be wise to do business with them, and so on. And he also had this, like, he, it was amazing. He had this little book where he actually judged himself on whether he was being a good person and doing what was right. He knew he didn't measure up, but he, he tried his hardest to, um, to apply a standard to his own life. And so... I realized that there was such a level of honor among at least these friends, these men that he would talk to, um, that I realized we've missed something in our society. I think that in an effort to avoid being, quote, judgmental, we've missed an important and positive effect that good judgment can actually have on a society. And I'm not 
speaking of anything that can be legislated or imposed, but it's something that I think we can rediscover and cultivate back into the fabric of our society. And we can do one step better. We don't have to just extend it to white men, right? We can actually extend it beyond that realm into helping all people attain to this culture of honor. But I think it, we are going to have to take a good hard look in the mirror of our preferred political and our identity factions, whatever it is that we identify with. We have to look at our groups more critically. We have to look at the specks in our own eyes. And we have to decide together on a measuring stick of things that we can't agree upon, to think of ways that we can treat one another in a way that we would like to be treated. That, you know, things like speaking honestly about the facts, things like admitting when we lack information on a subject, things like refusing to sink into the abyss of name-calling. We need to, to take care to remove these specks out of our own groups, our own political groups, before we go and try to correct the other side. And I, I want to read you a Facebook post of mine that I posted a few days ago, maybe like a month ago now, in the beginning of May. What if, instead of seeing people by their political labels, like right and left, Democrat or Republican, we started distinguishing people by their openness to reason? Like whether they give thoughtful arguments or resort to name-calling, whether they're willing to have a respectful conversation with someone who disagrees, or whether they need their echo chambers constantly following them and applauding them all the time. What would change if we started tuning out and refusing to click on the lowest forms of knee-jerk clickbait and chose the richer forms of intellectually stimulating and emotionally honest conversations? I have a feeling that here in America... There are more reasonable people than we realize, and if we put our heads together and open our mouths in brave conversation, we could be the voices of reason. Diverse and varied though we are, we can demand better. Over time, we can shift the narrative. Now, I want to go on, and I think this next verse in Matthew, in the passage we were reading, it, it tags on a verse after this that seems not to fit. And it seems unrelated, but I actually think in this case, it, it, it is related. It says this in verse 6. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. <laughs> See, Jesus... Really what he's saying here is that you're supposed to avoid conversations with people who have no honor. And that what, that's what it means, actually, to throw your pearls to pigs. It's easy to write everyone off as a pig who disagrees with you, or a dog in this case. But, but unless you've tested it out with someone, you'll never really know. And just because someone has strong opinions about something doesn't make them a pig. Just because they have... Emotions that get wound up, it doesn't make them a pig. What makes that person a quote-unquote pig, in this case, is someone who refuses to even try to see things from your vantage point. It's a person who resorts to insults and name-calling when the heat is turned up. It's a person who is only there to protect themselves 
and not to help anyone to come to the light or to see the truth. And it actually pushes people away that are on the other side, not, not in any way that's convincing or drawing. And so I, I firmly believe that you're going to see pigs everywhere. You're going to see pigs on your side of the issue as well as on the other side. But if we can't learn to actually judge a pig from a person, maybe some of our pearls will actually have a chance to develop and grow on either side of the fence. You know, I I know some of you may have learned how a pearl is formed. And and a lot of people say that it's formed through sand, but I I just learned that it's actually more like a, a parasite that gets in there. It's not actually a grain of sand, but it's an irritant that goes inside the clam or muscle or whatever shellfish it is, and it gets in there and it irritates it so much that the clam actually coats it with layers and layers of fluid, and that fluid's called nacre that hardens over time, and it takes about three years of this layer upon layer to happen. Now, getting an irritant inside is not a fun-sounding process. Nobody wants to be irritated. And I'm sure that clams are not advertising for a parasite to come live inside them so they can make a pearl. But the result is something that is beautiful, that is pure, and it's very unique, and people pay lots of money for it. I'm not sure if clams uh, uh, appreciate it as much as we do. But it's a beautiful thing that comes from this ugly sort of irritation. And it's a similar thing that I believe happens when we engage with people that we might call irritants. (laughs) Every time you learn something new and and anytime somebody challenges the way that you normally think, you actually experience a little bit of pain. You experience something called cognitive dissonance and it hurts, (laughs) but that's actually how we learn. And every time maybe somebody throws in your face how maybe you're actually being a little bit hypocritical about your own viewpoint, man, that is painful. We experience the pain of that reality hitting us. But that pain is actually good for us. And as we internalize that pain, we, we do something about it. We develop a greater understanding of truth. And all, and all of a sudden, we, we mull it over and we mull it over just like that pearl um, puts something over that to protect themselves. We, we don't want it to, to allow us to become embittered, but we, we just we take the truth from that little parasite. We take the truth and we, we begin to encase it in something beautiful. And when we take truth like that, we can develop something great and beautiful and pure as a society. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about moving forward and not getting stuck stuck in the dark ages and being progressive as a society. You know, this is what I think is progressive, is coming to a, a greater and greater truth of becoming individuals that are that are more loving, that are that have more integrity, that have a greater understanding and embracing of the truth. That's what I call progressive. I don't want to pretend that this is going to be easy. I don't want to pretend that speaking out in truth and love 
um, will have no consequences. You know, maybe you will face some pushback from that. But I hope that you will be brave enough. I hope that you won't shrink back for fear of being called judgmental or perceived as judgmental. Um, I hope that you really will make right judgments and call truth as you see it. I have to tell you that my biggest fear right now is not so much that the crazy wacko people will get crazier. <laughs> no, my my biggest concern is that the good people of society, that the reasonable people, that the people um, that you know are tolerant and have good moral character will actually become silent. And I think that that is what's going to cause our society to become regressive and not progress into the future of who we could be as a society. So um, if you're one of those people who you know you're one of the good guys, I would just encourage you to engage, speak up, learn about other people, um, and get in the game. And we can do that through a number of different ways. We have our Brave Conversations monthly. And if you're in Anchorage, I would love to have you join us for one of those. And if you're not in Anchorage, get in touch with me and, you know, we can help you start something in your own city, your own town, your own church even. Reach out and let me know how this podcast is impacting your life. Believe it or not, it does keep me going. I would love to know if this is helping you at all. (laughs) Otherwise, I'm just speaking out into the air and I have no idea what's happening on the other side. So please connect with me at leesloan.com. And I can't wait to continue this brave conversation next time.